It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. We now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome on in to No Shot Clock, everybody. We are doing a mailbag episode today. It is, we had a nice response, uh, a little slow at first, but then they came in. I think we got 11 or 12 questions here. Uh, I, I just went through and thanks to everybody for sending them in. We'll maybe try to do this one more time this season. I think this works better than trying to fit them in every episode that used to get a little rough. But first, we're going to start out with our two takes and then we'll go in to the questions. How was your week, Joe? Is good. That's what my take is. I had oh. a good week. Mr. Posit- Mr. Positivity here. All your Thanksgiving basketball is over. So yeah. To- oh, no. <laughs> it's a, it's a smooth sailing. We're climbing that mountain and getting near the top. Uh, it was like a shot of basketball dopamine for me this weekend. I, I was ecstatic. I saw really good basketball. I That's kind of my take. It's just it was so refreshing for me to to see what I saw in terms of, you know, the Bennett Maris game was everything you would want in a high school basketball game, two rivals, big league game, good crowd, high level baskets being made. It was some points being scored. I know you saw some games too, with some points, which is always nice. Um, You know, and then I, I, I hit the Romeoville shootout, which actually is a second take. I'll get to that. I zipped over to the tail end of Yorkville, Lincoln Way East. Saw a down-to-the-wire finish, Yorkville. Looks like they may be starting to put it back together and, uh, you know, and living up to some of those expectations that were placed on them with the preseason ranking, and they beat Lincoln Way East in the closing seconds. And then, actually, I every once in a while, Mike, I not every once in a while, quite often, just for the evaluation purposes of what I do with my recruiting service and things like that. Coaches will periodically send me their game films. And so I, I got one on Glenbard, Glenbard North and um, Lake Park game. And I watched that. It was a really good game. That was where I would have gone Friday night if I didn't go to Bennett. And um, I, that was, it was a, Terrific, another conference game that, I don't know, whole weekend just kind of lifted me up, Mike. And I, <laughs> just sprinting towards the holiday tournaments now, I have a much better, I don't know, it was a rough opening two, three weeks, regardless of the Thanksgiving tournaments. And we talked a little, well, no, I guess we talked about it a lot on the podcast that wasn't aired. Yeah. Uh, but it, I don't know. It was just a couple of those marathon shootouts where the games yeah. weren't too, too many great. neutral site games. That, that, yeah. That's the so, problem. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. I, I got into some gyms with some crowds and, um, and, and I think that's where we're headed. You know, how they tournament neutral site. That's fine. It, it's just a different beast. The Christmas tournaments. It's a tradition filled. It's, it's just different. Uh, so yeah, I've got, Good, good outlook, Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Nice. I'm ready, I'm ready to roll <laughs> in the holidays for the. Yeah, I, I was a little worried um, when I went up to Warren, up, up to Gurney, because uh, Joliet is quite far, and they weren't going to bring much of a crowd. <laughs> you know, I, I knew that. So I was, and that's a big gym. If you haven't been to the Warren gym, 
it's a big one, <laughs> about as big as it gets. So I was worried it was going to be a little cavernous and maybe not the best, but uh, the Warren people came out. It was a, a really nice crowd. Um, I mean, it would have filled a, a smaller gym. So good for, I, you know, I was really curious about that. If there was some excitement, you know, around this Warren team with Jackson Davis and how well they're playing and there definitely is. So that was definitely heartwarming for me to see. Um, Cause I, I wanted to see that game, but I was a little worried about the atmosphere, but things are happening uh, up in Gurney. Uh, my take is I feel like I keep doing this now. It's going to be, I guess, an apology, a, a, a mea culpa. Uh, I don't know, Joe, maybe you can remember. I'm bad with memories and stuff, but I think our, we did not mention Lincoln Park in any preseason podcasts, in any. Ah, that's so funny you mention this. I'm interrupting writing. you Sim- simply because yeah. I literally was working on something an hour ago on biggest surprises. And I do that ridiculous top 80. Yeah. And based on that, <laughs> we have our biggest surprise, which is Lincoln Park, because they didn't even crack my top 80. Yeah. It's unbelievable how, and uh, I, I think, you know, the first time I saw them was at Kenwood and I'd never seen any of the guys play before. And so that's tough. Um, I, I didn't really get a sense of them. I didn't know if just Kenwood was really bad <laughs> falling apart and they were really young. It wasn't like this was a bunch of seniors. It was a bunch of sophomores, and a couple juniors and a senior. And I'm like, what is going on? Is Kenwood falling apart? And so I got to see them again, you know, at uh, against Young. And so I have a much better handle on them now. And I, I think I have a different view of that Kenwood game too. Lincoln Park is just, they're good. Um, and, you know, I, I did a little research. Chase Turner, he's a 6'4". He's an athlete. He's up there blocking Antonio Munoz dunks for goodness sakes, he was hurt all summer, hurt his knee. Um, that's a little scary, too, the fact that he's just off a knee injury and he's athletic as he is. That, that's pretty impressive. And then it's really uh, – they have Samaj Howard, a senior point guard, who's a good player, and a 6'9 junior, Keyshawn Barfield, who's a little rough around the edges, but he's one to watch for sure. He, he's productive. Um, but then this core of sophomores, Ahmad Lee, a 6'3 guard, he's got to be a college prospect – uh, I was very impressed with him. I mean, frankly, he outplayed the Kenwood and the young sophomores. These kids we've heard so much about. And um, then Jalen Dickerson, who's a sophomore. I'm really wondering if he's part of the Dickersons um, that were around a couple of years ago. Anyway, he's a six-one guard. He's good. Then they've got this six-four strong, kind of bulky, uh, tough sophomore, Larry Harris. It's just they're actually good and they're really young. This is a team that isn't a fluke that next they're already what top 10 almost, or they could win proviso and they're going to be a top 10 team next year. If they don't get any transfers, if these guys just stay. So this is a group that I really whiffed on. Um, they, they didn't, they did okay in the sophomore tournament. I guess they made the quarterfinals last year. And I think it hurt a thing or two that Lincoln park sophomore team was pretty good. Cause these kids played up as freshmen on the sophomore team, but man, there was not a lot of buzz in the city about them. I did not hear much about these kids over the spring and summer it just really kind of a shocker for a team this close to my literal home to be this good and for me not to know about it. Well, it's just a couple things with that. It just one it's, you know, I didn't do my homework. Usually when there's a team, I doing that top 80, I, I just didn't dive into them at all. And my fault shame on me, but also in the grand scheme of things, the public league needs another program that public league needs a, um, an identity beyond the big three or four, you know, Kira yeah. Young's um, uh, Kenwood throw 
even though they're struggling. Simeon still Simeon for right now. Uh, you know, these other programs that have just kind of gone by the wayside, particularly on the west side. Uh, obviously, Lincoln Park's on the north side, but it, it, they, it, you know, it's just like Bogan gone and Marshall and Farragut and gone by meaning not relevant. You know, Hyde Park's trying to, you know, into the, they've had so much turnover and uh, coaching ranks, it's been a little difficult. But so that's why I think, you know, Lincoln Park's always been on the periphery, uh, going all the way back to Tom Libertino's days when he was there and all the way through today, just kind of rising up and then kind of fading and rising up. And so it'd be really nice to see another program kind of step up. One, one thing I think maybe we should be absolved for a little bit, Josh Anderson, for those who don't know, he played at Simeon. He's Nick Anderson's son. That's the coach. And he's a new coach this year. And so he didn't send the info that a lot of coaches do, you know, at least to me, probably not to you, I'm guessing Joe, he just wasn't into all that stuff yet. He's been really good um, and responsive now and easy to work with. But I, I if the coach had been established, we would have gotten some stuff on them. And I think that would have helped. And I guess also some credit should be given to Josh Anderson. It takes about five minutes of watching this team, the energy coming from that sideline and the energy they have on defense. It's very Nick Irvinish kind of they're into it. And there is it. I've not seen them not going, you know, <laughs> balls to the wall the whole time. It is very Lamont Bryant, Nick Irvin. There's energy there and it's all emanating from Josh Anderson. It's a really exciting thing to watch. Hmm. Uh, my second take is, it's, it's more of a take on the oddity of a hot shot player who, who literally no one ever sees. And I, I, I actually, I'm going to squeeze two takes and we're going to call it the Romeo Bowl shootout takes because I've got two little things I want to talk. Cause I was, I saw a game and a half there and this first one, you know, a Hansberry, is a team really nobody knows much about. They're a small school in the city, but uh, Al Brooks is a really, really talented young player. And it's just, as I was watching, I was probably one of 14 people in the gym watching Hansberry play Manly. Now, to people like myself and people who cover this, the sport and evaluate and recruiting and scouting and all that, they, we've seen Al, Al Brooks play. Um, but it just occurred to me while I was watching, no one's ever going to see him play. Uh, you know, we're at a shootout and, and as I said, you know, it was noon or 1230 and there was literally nobody there. So no one saw him and he had 23 points, nine, 10, he had double, double. He, he's, he is just a really talented young player who I, I guess what I'm bringing up now is. He's, they're going to be playing at York at the Jack Tosh holiday tournament. And now they're, they're I watched Hansberry, no disrespect. They're probably going to get drilled by Metamora uh, in the opening round there. Uh, but it's just a player who I, it's just weird that in this day, we, I mean, I was thinking about Anthony Davis, not that he's Anthony Davis, but you know, I, I, it was hard to see Anthony Davis play other than a game on TV or a couple of, and they weren't fun because they got blown out all the time and didn't win. And so Al Brooks Jr. is the six foot eight, 2025, class of 2025. He's one of the top 10 juniors in the class. And so we have this player, Mike, who is a bona fide division one player, probably as I tweeted this as well, but you know, his floor is a mid-major. Uh he's fluid, six eight, runs the floor, and he looks different than he's the player. 
that we've kind of lost these long, agile six, eight. It's like, even when I talked to college, it was like, Joe, where, where are all the players like this in Illinois? Where, where, where do they go? The, uh, that size player. And he's just a kind of, again, kind of a breath of fresh air for me from a player perspective. Uh, you know, we'll see what Hansberry can do with him, but I mean, it's a good small school, but um, the other take within the, at Romeo, though, one I'm squeezing a second one, it might it's gonna be quick. But I stayed for the second or the first half of this next game, and I, this is a weird take, I guess. We probably will never talk about this team or coach the rest of the year. But Ross Burt, the coach at St. Rita, uh, I I don't know him. I've never talked to him. I know all the pretty much all the Catholic coaches and. Uh, I even texted a, f- a few of them as I was watching this first half. Hey, what do you know about this Ross Bird guy? Uh, he was put in, Mike, into one of the most impossible situations as a coach that you can imagine. First-year coach, a-, a decimation of a roster unlike we've ever seen before. In a league that is we've identified as the best in probably the Illinois. And... and here he was playing this game against Waukegan, and again, there was 14 people in the gym. I happened to be right behind their bench, so you hear everything. You get to see and hear everything. And I just, again, I don't know him. I have it's the first time I've ever watched him coach. I liked everything about it: his demeanor, the way he talked to the kids, the positive vibes he gave, uh, what he had to say in those huddles in that first half where the gym was empty and you could hear every word and, and what they were trying to do and, and kind of the spirit that they played with despite, I mean, they're playing Waukegan and they, I don't know. I think they, I left at halftime, but I think they'll end up losing by 30 and they're going to lose. They're going to lose a lot, but I just kind of wanted to point out uh, kind of an unsung coach that is going through something as a first year coach at a play. He came from Peyton, uh, he'd be coached there, but just a different animal that he's at now with, with, uh, in the Catholic league. And it's going to be a rough months for him and that, in that program, but they just, they still seem to be having fun and enjoying it. And it's all cliche. That's what high school basketball is all about, blah, blah, blah. But just kudos to, to Ross Bird. Yeah. I haven't met him either. We've emailed quite a bit. He always kept me updated on what was going on at Peyton. Um, which was thankful and got his Peyton kids a little bit of publicity because I'd never got to a game over there when he was coach, but they got in the notebook a lot because he kept me updated. So I kind of feel like I knew how their season even went the last couple of years. So uh, good for him. Um, L Brooks jr. These were his stats last year. For those wondering, he was a sophomore. This is what they sent over to me. Uh, 27.6 points per game, 18.5 rebounds, four assists, 4.1 steals, and 8.6 blocks. <laughs> so they're the greatest stats I've ever seen in my life, other than um, what do you call it? Um, a metal ball or whatever. <laughs> on the, uh, when he was in high school. So who knows if that's it, but that, that is pretty crazy. And it goes into my second take. What's the deal? It's 2024 almost. Why can't we get some stats on high school basketball in the area? You know, McHenry sent me over some today. They kind of started this out, you know, just a little sheet with what they've done so far. I mean, a lot more football teams do it for me than basketball. Uh, 
like literally a handful, maybe less. Do I get in basketball? You know, allegedly you can put them on max preps. I can find them on there sometimes, but you know, things are rough for college for high school kids these days in the recruiting world. It would be nice. I'm sure for all of them to get their stats out there. I don't think there's any scouting reason or whatever to hold it back. Everybody's watching game film on the internet. I don't think looking at anybody's stats is going to do much to you. Much conferences are sharing the tape. I just don't get why at this point, with the internet having been around so long, why there just isn't a way for us to have some high school basketball stats. Finally, it's getting to the point where it's kind of ridiculous. And so many of these teams have like nine assistant coaches, all these people. Why can't somebody send over stats once a week or something, you know, or post them on a website of their own or just anything out there. I don't understand why there's been like zero movement on this in the 20 years we've had the internet. Yeah, something else I was working on today, which goes with that, is say what you want about where Hinsdale Central ranks in the holiday tournament. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. But yeah. boy, did they have a yes. website. Yeah, they do. I mean, yes. they, like, if we had, had every website like that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's I wonderful. Mean, all, all, yeah. all these, you know, it's interesting you brought up too, because if, if, if anybody reads any of the stuff I write, particularly my weekend forecasts and the previews of, of games. And it goes, I mean, I do so much legwork and don't have to feel sorry for me, but I, I just trying to get the impact of individual players on teams. And you want to list more players. You want to get more names uh, into those previews or any articles or whatever you're doing. And so, yeah, you are tracking down statistics. I, I will say almost probably because I've been doing it for 25 years and you know all these coaches and there's a respect and there's a, all that, but they are really, really good with me when I need them to get them to me, yeah. when I, you know, me reaching out to them and asking. So, uh, yeah, that, that would be a big help and really a boon for, for the sport and, and for the individual players. All right, questions. Let's go. Uh, started out with Jack Lydon. Jack, uh, good question here. I liked it. He wants to know which team that has fallen out of our rankings, out of I guess my rankings, is likely to re-enter and make a run towards the top. He cites Ignatius, Naperville North, Lane, Glenbrooks North and South, Joliet West, St. Patrick, and Yorkville as some teams that have fallen out. Um, I got to say, I think maybe all of those teams will get back in, but I don't see any really making a run towards the top. I haven't seen Glenbrook North and, and South yet, and it, it was strange for me to take Glenbrook North out this week, but I couldn't really justify them in anymore. Oh, Glenbrook North out. Of, I had to look at your recent rankings. Yeah, they lost oh. a prospect. So that's my definitive. Yeah, I, I will admit I haven't prepared well for these questions, um, but without a doubt, now that I hear that list and knowing they're out of it, one hundred percent, Glenbrook North will get back in your. This is a really good team. Well, I know I, they're. I think they'll get back in, but do they be towards the top? Well, they're they're going to. I think they're going to win the league. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, I think they are going to, you know, inch their way. Um, I, two things: one, they're going to be in the rankings much quicker, much sooner, and stay in them longer than all the other teams we just mentioned. Two, how high they get, I don't know. How high are we talking? 10, 12? I, my point is they're going to rise in the rankings at some point. All right. We got a little uh, – and remember, Lumberg North listens to no shot clock. So, Oh, there we go. Good for them. Uh, next up is Brandon. Um, he's a senior at Westinghouse, 
and he thinks they've got something this year. He says that um, he's been in the stands at so many games during his time there. He's a senior now, but it feels like this time around, there might be something special, especially with the stellar guard play they have. He wants to know about our expectations for Westinghouse in the Red Northwest and how far we think they could go in city and state. Um, Westinghouse, we haven't talked about a ton. They're nine and two, currently tied with Lincoln Park atop the Red Northwest at three and oh, I think it is. Um, they, uh, I know they want to be ranked. I've got some Westinghouse fans on my case about it. They've got an Ignatius loss early in the season that didn't seem so bad at the time, but is looking worse and worse as Ignatius keeps losing games to ranked teams. So that's, what's keeping them out now along with without a quality win, but the big dipper is going to be their, their time to show their ceiling. They're going to start out with Hillcrest, which is a pretty good first round game. Then they're going to get likely rich and HF and then, who knows? So it, we're going to know real quick in the next uh, two weeks here what that's going to yeah. be. And then coming out of it, this is their schedule coming out of the Dipper. Niles North, Lincoln Park, and Young. So, oh boy, DJ Bolden and crew is going to get a test there. I'm uncertain about Westinghouse based on what I saw last year. What, what do you think, Joe? Well, I just, if there there was an article, story I wrote, or in the pocket somewhere where DJ Bolden, uh, Damian Bolden Jr. was highlighted, as kind of an unsung or overlooked senior and he's a big time scorer. You know, it's 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 just not I haven't seen him. So uh when I see him, you'll have a much yeah. better read on you Same. know what they can do. Um next up we got two questions here that kind of about the sectional assignments that came out. First up Brady Roberts um points well, his question is is the East Aurora sectional the deepest of all the 4A sectionals? I know the Rich Township and RB sectionals are loaded. He's curious on our thoughts. Um, and I think technically it is the deepest. Mm. I was just kind of running through quality teams, and they've got a lot. It, they don't have the high-level teams of Rich yeah. and RB, but they've got at East Aurora, for those who haven't looked, they got Matea Valley, Wabonzi Valley, West Aurora, Bolingbrook, both of the Downers Groves, Bennett. Nequa, Naperville North, Oswego East, Yorkville. I mean, that's a lot of quality teams in one sectional. It's more than the other two. So I, I think Brady's right, right? It is. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I, you know, when I really examine them, it, I probably won't say it's the best sectional just because yeah. I want that top of the, you know, think about those sectionals, the top four teams, top five teams being the, the ones that have a really legit shot of winning. But man, trying to win a regional? Yeah, there? seriously, yes. Uh, yeah, that's uh, going to be a, a tough one. Um, I mean, then, think, <laughs> think about, Mike, the, I don't know, the 12th seed. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The 12th seed there, 10th seed is going to be. Could be ranked. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that that's that's definitely tough. Says a uh, lot for that area, Um, how things are looking kind of near west and out west. Um, Then I think Brady's got an interesting question here that I haven't. I don't know if I have a strong, eh. he says, what are your ideal sites um, that we'd like to see regionals and sectionals be played at? And do we like high school gyms hosting super sectionals? For example, Ottawa, Juliet Central, Sterling, Jacksonville. And if yes, what other schools would we like to see them at? Um, he good says question. he knows. question. Yeah. Well, Keegan and Argo haven't been regional or sectional hosts in a while. He wants to know, are there guidelines that go into hosting playoff games? Yes, there are guidelines. And they have to apply. The IHSA just doesn't go kind of picking. They have to want to host it. And then there are some guidelines they have to do. I, I, it seems like a lot of teams aren't into it these days for various reasons, Brady. So 
I would. Well, guess. you make you, you make them, Mike, and and it, it, what I mean by that is you go back. I, I have I very feel strongly about this, and I you, you can alleviate this by they did it for years, where the top four seeds host the regional. Yeah, and I don't know if if it doesn't work or the fit doesn't ride or you, you they're vehemently against doing it or there's not enough whatever the reason there can be cases where you don't have it but i talked to him i i don't know what the percentage would be if i did a poll of high school coaches but majority of the ones i talked to agree that it should do that again i think they should top four seeds host extenuating circumstances they can switch it up but uh as far as I, the high, it's just gotta be uh, uh, the right high school for me, for a super. For a super, yeah. You know, because I don't want to cheat people out of. Because some of these supers, you can get some. Yeah. I don't. Know, it's hard because I do prefer the high school. You and I both think sectional basketball is the best, and it's because they're in high school gyms. I love squeezing them in there, but. The crowd at the super, yeah, can get so big, and I've been a fan. And I've been almost left out of a section. Right. It was down Roger Powell years. They had us against Lincoln Way when there was just one, one Lincoln Way and one Joliet. So imagine the size of that fan base, one Lincoln Way and one Joliet with all the schools. And we were playing somewhere down in Kankakee and Bradley Bourbonnet, I think, or something. And it was a joke. The gym was smaller than both of our school gyms. Yeah. And people are just out in the parking lot begging and offering money for tickets. So it, it can be like yeah, the, I'm torn on the, that. Like the doubleheader at UIC doesn't bother me too much. I, I, I like the super at ISU. I'm sorry, Sears Center. I still don't. <laughs> it was decent I, last year when I went. It wasn't uh, so bad. They, they've changed the atmosphere there. It's darker and like it was uh, definitely better. I'm still not saying I'm a big fan of it, but it was better. Um, yeah. Northwestern should host a super. Oh, now we're, I mean, they have before I've seen Curie there and some other, yes, agreed. Like, like, well, see, that's the thing. The Gentile center would be awesome. You know, N- Northwestern yeah. would be awesome. Like wind trust would be okay. Um, yeah. Some of these smaller, that would be pretty neat if we could do that. Um, for yeah. Sure. Um, all right. I think, did we hit all the, uh, yeah, let's move it along here. Uh, Matt's up next. Uh, he says in 4A, it seems like the three toughest sectionals are rich, RB and East Aurora. If we could only choose one to attend, which would it be? Oh, well, I can kind of only choose one per night, Matt, so I will be yeah, in there. <laughs> I'll be deciding March. I, I, I'm not going to decide in December. Yeah, it's too early. The, I got to see the matchups, man. Uh, then Matt um, says a question I think a lot of people are asking. It seems like these sectional groupings are very lopsided. Is location the only consideration that they take into account when forming them, or is the traditional strength of programs factored in? It's only geography, Matt. They don't look or care about a team's record. And that's a bit of my frustration with these is I'm on record. I'm okay with that, with the geography thing, Um, because I think we don't really know how good teams are. But I think it's hard to say it's geography when you set it up with some weird geography that lends itself to possibly three of the four teams in class three, a in Champaign could be in Chicago and in the Catholic league. And in the grand scope of the state, you know, Mount Carmel and Paul prep are right next to one another. That, that doesn't make any sense geographically. And it's kind of an easy switch. If you look at it, there's like four or five Chicago teams that got shoved into the St. Viator sectional. 
you just move them in with the rest of the Chicago teams and you have Oak Park and Glenbard South and Glen Ellen over in the West Suburban one with Wheaton. And it, it doesn't make any sense to me why they've done that. And it's going to look really bad at the state tournament with three of the four well, teams from Chicago. If that happens. My, my problem with it is always I'm with you geography. I, to a degree, I, 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 unless you just completely revamp the system uh, and make it yeah. footballish in some way, but under the circumstances, they do, they, they, they have these times where something doesn't completely make sense, and you know, like ninety percent of it is oh, okay, I get it, and then there's this ten percent that, huh? I my, just real, like the last few two years, rolling medals where they went made absolutely zero sense. They were passing. I don't have to go through it. They, it just doesn't make sense. Now they've returned back to their their natural habitat and they are sexually should have been. And, you know, I like it's not a big deal, but why Oak Park is now in a sectional with Loyola and Nutrier and Glenbrook North and Glenbrook South. They're the only team. They just plucked one team out of the western suburbs and, well, we'll just send them up there. That, that makes zero sense. Uh, so just little things like that. I, I yeah. don't. I don't get where it comes from. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's you're exactly right. It's these little things like a Glen Ellen school and a Wheaton school are playing Hyde Park in De La Salle, and there are Chicago teams out west. It doesn't. It's really goofy that that little stuff. Anyway, um, move it along. Here we have got John Hook with kind of a tough question for me. Uh, he wants to know who are some coaches that are out of the business right now that you think have a chance to come back and who are some up and coming assistant coaches in the state that are worth keeping an eye on. I, I think the big name for out now and could come back. I don't, I wouldn't rule out Robert Smith coming back. I don't think it would be to the public league, but I think you might need to keep an eye. He's got a son in junior high and, you know, guys like to coach their kids, you know, Rob has not told me any of this necessarily, but I think that is one worth watching. I don't really have any others that might come back. Joe might. And I think this is a difficult time for me for the up and coming assistant coaches. Cause they just all got jobs. We've had such yeah. a, a, a switch over in the last two years that all those guys have really well, gotten jobs. And the market for high school coaches is just not like in college. You just, you just don't know of them all the time. Um, you know, Roshan Russell is one to keep an eye on. Just yeah. at, at, he's an assistant at St. Lawrence, who, you know, everything went down at St. Rita, and and you know he has a track record of of you know establishing a, a roster, and um, you know keep an eye on that maybe. And it's you know Rob Smith really seems to be enjoying. Um, what he's yeah. doing right now. So well, <laughs> which which we'll, is watching we'll his daughter. Yeah, he plays some basketball. He's been in all her games and she plays for Butler for those who are wondering. But all right, next up we've got um Larry Dunn. He says, after you and Joe each separately saw Bennett last week, has either of your opinions changed on them? Specifically, do you still think Downers Grove North is substantially better and the clear favorite at East Aurora? Joe? A lot of East Aurora questions. Um you know, I, I I think Bennett is a team with a massive upside, like huge upside. Whether that reaches it February March this year or for sure next year, uh, I don't know. I mean, Downers North, I don't think they're an overwhelming favorite in that sectional. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, but Bennett definitely has the potential to mature with this young group and 
legitimately be a sectional title contender by the time March rolls around. Yes. Yeah, my opinion has changed. I do not think Downers Grove North is substantially better. And I think both teams will be way better in two months. But, oh, boy, um, Bennett has the looks of a possible preseason number one in one of the next couple of years. Um, that follows well into Joe's question, which is next. Is the hype regarding this sophomore kid, Solarski real? I've seen him play a few times, and he has flashes of being really good, but I haven't seen enough that validates his consensus number one in the class. Um, to be fair, some guys I know think he's not being utilized properly, but what's his ceiling and what is Bennett's ceiling? Well, he's not being utilized properly. If Gene Highcamp's known for one thing, it's not utilizing yeah. players very well, which has led to all those losses. Yeah. No, uh, I think that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's a six foot seven guy who's handling it, playing on the perimeter. I, I, I can't imagine a better situation, to be honest, uh, for a young player who. You have to keep in mind, he has seven, eight, nine varsity games under his belt. And the other thing is, all of the this is why I'm so try to be. I know you do too, Mike, to a degree, and you did kind of pump it up there with your Tuesday tweets, but that's fine. There's still like Jackson Davis's of the world and Davion Thompson's and these kids, and, and in this case, Solarski, they are so young. I mean, they are still freshmen and sophomores playing varsity basketball. Yes, he's deserving. I, I saw the top two prospects in the class play that night, uh, and Stephen Brown and and Gabe Solarski. They're the two best prospects. And yeah, I mean, there's gonna they're going to have some lump, take some lumps here and there. But yeah, they, he's legitimate. The hype's real. He's that's why high majors want him. Um, uh, you just gotta be patient with young players. Yeah, I thought about those tweets and, you know, I knew it would put some pressure on the kid and I'm sure Gene Heinkamp doesn't need that kind of stress in his life and this and that. But really, that's when I think about my job is not to, you know, sorry, make things easier for players or coaches. My job is to tell the readers the truth, of what I yeah. saw. And so that's when I decided I'll do it. <laughs> I'll put it out. Yeah, I think he's amazing. I think Slarsky's fantastic. Um, was super impressed. And we got a couple more questions here, not a lot of time, but that kind of dovetails into this one from Demetrios. And I'm interested to see what you think about this, Joe. Um, which Chicagoland high school player do you think has NBA potential? Yeah, I hate this question. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I drew a blank, but if I had a, a gun to my head, I would probably go with Stephen Brown and Solarski. Yeah, that's not I, – I, those would be the two with with uh, with the Davion Thompson. Yeah. He, to me, Davian Thompson <laughs> is has so much Jalen yeah. Brunson in him. Uh, but again, I, I'm not going to dive deep in this one, Mike, because I think you only say that when they're, they're bona fide, legitimate guys that are yeah. no brainer, pro level. Like when you see a Derrick Rose, there's no know, Julian Wright out here. Exactly. You know, you, you just you yeah. see the physical makeup and attributes that scream no brainer high major star or potential NBA first round pick. And you know, there's other guys that have made it that we didn't you never would have guessed. Um so yeah, it's it's hard for me to I, I don't think our state is oozing with pro potential right no, now. Definitely not. Uh there was another question from Joe. He wants to know what's going on with Whitney Young. Are they a bit overrated? They have a ton of athletic energy guys, but they're a bit of a mess right now. 
Um, I've seen him. I paid a lot of attention. I really wanted to know an answer to this question for myself for the rankings. And yeah, I agree. They're a bit of a mess right now. They're playing a lot of guys. Guys don't know their roles. There's a lot to figure out there, but two things. Antonio Munoz is a monster. He is 100% effort at all times, unstoppable in a lot of ways. And so they've got that and they've got enough talent and ability. They can figure out the rest <laughs> over the course of the next two months. So Maybe they're overrated now, but I they're one of the best teams in the area, and Tyrone Slaughter knows how to figure this stuff out. Yeah, I gave you my – I think we were talking at the Mount Carmel deal. I gave you my little nugget on Antonio Munoz. I just highlighted him as, Mike, you know what? I think this guy might be the best kid in the class. He, yeah, he's... he could be. Uh, the other thing is, this is kind of Young's M.O. I mean, I, not, yeah, exactly. Not extreme, yeah. but – yeah, You know, it, it, he has done an unbelievable job, Slaughter, of kind of piecing and figuring things out, rotations and all that in the months leading up to the holidays. And then that kind of comes to fruition usually, and they, they, they do some damage at the end of the year. So we'll see. It's a young group. Yeah, definitely. That, that, that's maybe the difference. This group's a, a lot younger than some of those groups that have um gone in those we're not saying they're gonna make a run to champagne but um there's a lot there uh next question from nicholas once says uh brother rice is 10 well now they're 12 and 0 um i know they're ranked high in the super 25 how will they fare over the next month or so do you think they'll stay in the top five top 10 or take a major hit uh brother rice is 12 and 0 now they have west aurora on friday and then they head to hinsdale what do you think joe it's an interesting, cool game, West Aurora, brother. Yeah, Rice. yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, they're not going to take a huge hit, despite you know me having reservations on them coming into the season. I, I, I really did. I had them ranked in that top eighty, like twenty six or seven or eight or something. Um, yeah, I, I they're not going to take a big nosedive, but they're going to stay in the hunt all year long. Yeah, maybe we're uh, I mean, they're not underrated now. They're definitely up there kind of where they should be. They've got they still got to play Maris, DePaul and Mount Carmel in the um, conference. They might face DePaul in the Hinsdale Central, too. So those could be some tough ones for them. And we got a minute left here. There was a oh, we had one good question here from George. There's not much time left. I'm trying to find a guy. So George wants to know. George reads the news, apparently, and he's talking about. Uh, the CPS is going to return to an emphasis on neighborhood schools. And he wants to know how that might affect basketball with the magnet school domination. That's a great question, George. I wish I had more time. Uh, a large part of the issue in the public league is the fact that those neighborhood schools have kind of been starved of kids and resources. If they do reemphasize the neighborhood schools, I think it will really help public league basketball quite a bit. It's probably something we haven't talked about enough and a, a pretty astute question. Maybe I can hit on that in a take um, in the future. But anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will be back later this week with a holiday preview episode. So it won't be a full week, maybe sometime later in the week. I'll get that out. Thanks a lot.